Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello, hello everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth and welcome to The Visual Workplace. It's our weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate workplace visuality, letting the workplace speak. Every week we look at some aspect of that, of how to let the workplace speak, how to embed our operational intelligence into the living landscape of work, embed the devices, embed the information, embed the behavior, embed the measurements, embed the performance, and we reap huge benefits along the way. We get the safety, the quality, the performance, the on-time delivery, and we enjoy ourselves at work. We find a new harmony at work, a new flow, and we can be ourselves. So today I'm very excited that here at the Visual Workplace we're going to be talking to Robert Miller, who is the Executive Director of the Shingo Prize, the Shingo Prize for Operational Excellence, and about the new Shingo Prize, because under Bob's visionary leadership, the Shingo Prize has raised its standards of operational excellence internal to the organization and thereby raised it for us. And the stature of the Shingo Prize is beginning to grow It's all over the world. It is a way for us to both describe operational excellence and also achieve it. I am really, really delighted that uh, Bob has agreed to come. And I I want you to know, uh, dear listeners, that if you don't understand what the Shingo Prize is, you will understand it by the end of this show. And not only that, but Bob is taking special steps to give you some things to do so that you can begin to engage into this new framework of thinking uh, as a result of listening. So you'll be getting some real um, hands-on stuff. Okay. So um, I don't have any announcements because I want the whole show to be about the Shingo Prize and Robert Miller. Bob, I want to thank you so much for coming. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. Thank you, Gwendolyn. It is an honor and a privilege for me to be here. I appreciate your enthusiasm and your eloquent description of operational excellence and its potential contribution into organizations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, some folks know that Shigeo Shingo, who founded this prize, uh, was my sensei, and I have such affection for him that it has flowed over to you guys. So um, before we get into the model, which is so interesting, please give us some sense of your own personal journey that brought you to the directorship of this important prize. We love a good story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, I've been privileged to be here now for seven years associated with the prize, but before I came here, my background is in manufacturing. I graduated in engineering and from Brigham Young University and had the privilege of working for some really wonderful and exceptional companies, including companies like John Deere and Herman Miller, the office furniture company in Michigan. So each one of those companies provided me with really great and valuable experiences to help me understand uh, what it really takes to create sustainability and excellence in companies. Uh, so we've learned that. We have, I observed that in things that worked well and things that didn't work didn't always work well because not everything does work out. But in each case, in every case, there's a lot of things that can be learned. So I had some great companies 
experiences with great companies. I had the opportunity to be par a partner in a consulting firm for about seven years and worked mostly with international, with large and very successful international firms, mostly in the Asia-Pacific region. And when that finally burned me out, I had uh, I made the decision to come to a nice, quiet, cush job at a university, which didn't turn out to be that way at all. I, it's yeah. been an adventure, hasn't it? It has certainly been an adventure, and it just, as it turns out, it seems like once you have the international experience, you realize that the world has to be the full world. It can't be some small subset of the world, and so... Our work here has continued to uh, try and reach as many people in the world as we possibly can and have as much impact for good as we possi possibly can on as many different kinds of organizations as possible. Yes, yes, and you've got some exciting new developments, which we will get to very soon. So for those listeners who have who are not yet acquainted with Shingo Prize, please give us what the, uh, what the purpose is and its origins, and then we'll slide into the structure. Okay, thank you. The, the prize was created in 1988, and it was named after uh, Shigeo Shingo, who was one of the senseis at uh, Toyota and other great companies. A lot of the ideas that we talk about so casually now in terms of quality at the source and, and really, um, um, you know, zero defects and so many basic concepts were really the thought processes that came from Dr. Shingo. At the time we became associated with him at Utah State, it was not Dr. Shingo, it was Shigeo Shingo, and um, he was nominated by Utah State University to receive um, an honorary doctorate degree, which he did receive. Shortly after he received his honorary doctorate degree from Utah State, we created, with his encouragement and support, this recognition program called the, named after him, the Shingle Prize. It was created the same year that the Malcolm Baldrige National Quality Award was created. And uh, what was unique about it is it was not intended to be a generic methodology, but rather a very specific methodology based on the principles that Dr. Shingle taught and the things that had become the basis for the Toyota production system. Mm -hmm. So the prize was created with the intention of trying to identify the very best companies and then holding them up on a platform so that others can see them mm -hmm. and see what are they doing that's so great, be inspired and motivated to improve themselves because of what they see in these other great companies. And, you know, I, I think the prize was uh, in effect for some 12 or 14 years before you came on the scene. And then when you came, you uh, the, the good... Um, Ross Robson created the the base, and then when he moved on, you came in and you did something quite extraordinary. Please tell well, us. Yeah, thank you. We discovered um, that when we went to visit many of the companies that had received the Shingle Prize in the previous eighteen, it was about seventeen or eighteen years, Gwen. Wow. Uh, when we when we went to visit these companies, we were shocked. Uh, and very disappointed that a very high percentage of them no longer really represented the standard of excellence that they did at the time they were recognized. And this was extremely distressing for us. And because in the lobby of these companies stood the Shingle Prize, the trophy sat right there attesting 
to the excellence of these organizations. But when you went behind the door and you looked at the details of the operations itself, uh, what we often saw is mediocrity, nothing that represented what we thought we should have seen. And so this was extremely distressing to us, and we we knew that our brand and our viability for the long term depended on our ability to truly find great companies and then be able to help them to sustain that. Mm-hmm. So when we really got down into the details of these companies, we first asked ourselves, well, were they not great at the time we evaluated them, or what did we not see that we should have seen? Um, and this, these kinds of questions led us to a really detailed study of, of the few companies that have sustained their excellence over the long term and continue to get better versus those who it was like we saw them at their best day and then they began to return mm-hmm. to the status mm-hmm. quo. It's like putting on your Sunday best because the relatives are coming over or you're having visitors, but as soon as they leave, you get into your old clothes again. Yeah, it's like I, I, don't, I don't think that they intended to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it was just it was the fact that the things that their improvement were based on mm-hmm. were not fundamentally sustainable. So that really led us to ask the question, what's the difference between these great companies and the ones that... Um, were once great. Yeah, were yeah. less great. Once great and no longer great. What, yes, was, yes, yes. what was the difference? And, if, and that led us to really understand some really fundamental and basic concepts that we think, well, I, they have become the basis for the shingle model and this standard of excellence that we now recognize, what we believe is the most the highest standard in the world. Mm. You know, uh, I want to just make comment on that and, and say for the people who are listening that most of the time we don't realize once we've had a victory that that victory is, in fact, fragile unless we find a framework that supports it. I mean, you do that. I'm sorry to be so ordinary in my in my images, but, you know, you go out with a person and you and you like them a lot and then all of a sudden... Well, I should say, and then you get married, and then all of a sudden you realize that the courting behaviors aren't going to get you through the first uh, sink of dirty dishes. You know, you're going to have to work in a new way. You're going to have to find new, and I'm going to steal a word you're going to use a lot, uh, new principles. It's not just courting. It's actually living with and building and growing and changing. And, uh, and the fact that you all, and I believe that you have, have discovered a formula or the treasure if you will, behind uh, the sustainability in a company, uh, I think is just one of the greatest contributions that has happened in this uh, in this in the last fifty years of operational improvement. And I also want to mention, or maybe you'll talk about this, that what we're going to be describing doesn't uh, confine itself to manufacturing. Please say something about that, so it's your words and, and not mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think everyone who's listening. If you've been around inside of your company or any company for more than a year, you'll recognize that there are there are each company that we are affiliated with goes through periods or programs intended to create some great dramatic transformation of the company. We go through training programs. We we send all of our employees through boot camps and we create campaigns and they do in fact have a very po- they can have a very positive impact for some period of time but they don't 
they almost fundamentally never change the way we think about how we work and how we work together mm-hmm. and what it takes to create excellence in the long term. They create short-term bursts of improvement mm-hmm. um, and, you know, moment, enthusiasm, but then it, it, it tends to, to uh, dry up and we go back to the way things were until another program mm-hmm. comes along. Mm-hmm. And then we go through the same cycle again. Sounds and like again a and diet, again. doesn't it? It sounds like a diet, one of those yo-yo diets. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to talk about the key that Gwendolyn described in just a minute here. And yeah. it really has to do with shifting our mindsets from a program or a process or a tool or a, uh, a methodology to really what are the core principles, the way to think about mm. what governs the outcome or the success of our organizations. Excellent, excellent. And when we come back, I'll answer the question, I'll answer a question that I, anyway, I'll be back in a minute with the great uh, Robert Miller, <laughs> who is my esteemed guest and executive director of the Shingo Prize and really the visionary trigger to make this change happen. He came on board and people began to see things differently. So we'll be back in a moment. Please come back with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn at the Visual Workplace, and I'm here with Robert Miller from the Shigeo Shingo 
Prize for Operational Excellence, and we are talking about the prize. And before we begin with our next round of questions, uh, I wanted to uh, ask Bob to please tell you where you can reach the Shingo Prize and where you can download um, the various application criteria and just see what the prize is. It's very useful. Bob, would you tell us? Yeah. Yeah. If you go to www.shingleprize.org, that's shingleprize.org, uh, you'll be able to find links there to all of our educational programs that we have going on at different parts of the world at any moment in time. You'll be able to also, perhaps most importantly, uh, download what's called, what we call the model and guidelines. It's, uh, it's really one document. The first half of it describes the model itself, which is what are we, what are the principles and how do you how do you embed the principles into the culture of the organization? The second half of that document is the actual application process, including the, the forms and the fees and everything you need to know if you were to be challenging, as we say, for the prize. And many, many, many people will take those forms and use them as the beginning of a blueprint or the final blueprint of where they want to be. They may never challenge for the prize, but they still measure themselves up against that criteria, and they slowly, slowly, over the months and over the years, they begin to create skill and competencies in these areas. It's a very, very balanced, it's kind of like a template. It's a very balanced. So go to shingleprize.org and download it and at least read it. If you're a CEO, a CFO, a manager, if you're the leader of improvement, you need to know the prize at least to be conversant in how it works. And then you can decide whether you want to just use it internally or actually challenge. It's completely up to you. Um, I also wanted to say that the prize has expanded its um, horizon so that it now looks at hospitals, and banks, and military depots, and government agencies, because in a way, like visuality, every workplace is the same workplace. It's where work gets done, and it's where excellence can reside if we work on it. So please consider that as well. If you aren't a factory, we're going to be talking about factories because that's where it all came from, but please identify yourself in this. Yeah, so Gwen, what the way we came to that broadening of the application is, um, when we thought about the tools of lean or the tools of operational excellence, they tended to be somewhat unique in their application based on the industry or their variations of them was substantially different. And even the systems that people would implement uh, related to continuous improvement were unique to the industries. But when we elevated the... Can you give us an example of that? So yeah. So if I had a if I had a system of five S, which is a visual, uh, is a highly visual system. So the way in which you implemented five S in a bank might be entirely different than it would be in a, on a factory floor. So because the 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 information that you're trying to manage is not physical widgets and physical things, but it's mm-hmm. information stored mm-hmm. in a system of some kind, a computer mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. or in an office, or in a workflow that's not obvious. So the way in which you apply the principle is different, or the, the methodology is different. But what's, you, what's universal are the principles. 
So when you take it one more step up from the tools at the bottom, which is the actual technique, to the system, and yet the third incremental step up are the principles. So what are the core guiding concepts, for example, behind 5S? Mm -hmm. And when you get to the principle level, what we discovered is that they're, they are universal. So the principle of flow, for example, has the same meaning in a bank as it would in a factory. The only question is, what, what is it that's flowing? Oh, very good. So if I were in a factory and I embraced the principle of flow on the tool level, it might look like a, a relocation of the value stream. I might put everything in a connected value stream in order to increase flow. That's what you mean. That's yeah, what it would so look the, like right, on the, so the shop floor. Right. So the physical layout of the machinery and the mm -hmm. placement of the people and uh, a cell, mm -hmm. a cell, a, a U-shaped cell would be an example of a tool that you would implement that might assist with flow. Or just-in-time, the tools to create a just-in-time system are in our unique applications. But you can take that same concept of mm -hmm. flow if you're flowing dollars or you're flowing decisions or flowing information um, those things, the same concept, the same principle of flow applies exactly the same way. But its application is very different as mm -hmm. in a, in a insurance company than it is in a, uh, a, a, a widget factory building parts for a car or an airplane or something. Okay, so, so start building this case that you started before the break that that we have to look on the principal level and kind of uh, move away from the tool level, which is a little bit um, distracting or misleading, and then um, marry this with the with the change that happened in the Shingo Prize that gave it more heft and more reliability, more applicability. Talk about that that new um, I don't want to call it system of thinking, but the new paradigm, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we looked at, when we studied deeply the organizations that were not, that had not sustained the excellence that we thought existed in them when we did our assessment um, and gave them the prize, what we discovered is that the essence of their improvement really was focused around the implementation of some tools or techniques. And you could even list them. You know, they, people could say, well, we've got, you know, we've got work. Tools that relate to uh, problem-solving methodologies, mm -hmm. or techniques. We've got, we've got tools related to layout, uh, related to scheduling and with planning. Mm -hmm. So these these tools became the essence of their improvement. And in most cases, people the people would use the tools as long as there was a heavy, heavy, heavy focus on them, and they were essentially given work instructions. They were saying, do this, then do this, then do this, and this is how you do it. But by and large, they really hadn't been taught why. Mm. They, were told, they were told how, but not, they, were, they, were not, they were not brought to understand the deeper meaning behind why that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And the answer to the why question is the principle. Mm -hmm. So we implement 5S or just in time or um, 
quality at the source programs in because there's a principle we seek perfection because we're, we strive to increase the rate of flow in the organization. The principle becomes the why behind it. So when people understand... So then you can move it from setting to setting, from industry to industry, and from department to department. You can do it in HR. You can do it uh, at your stamping press. Yeah, it, because people, they begin to understand what the principle means. Say you're talking about the principle of respect for people. Well, you know, if you implement respect for people or if you implement a communication system and it be, or a recognition system or a employee involvement system, and you might define all of the tools and techniques for doing that, but if you never really build into the hearts and the, the minds of the people, including the leaders and the managers and the associates, that the reason we do this is because we fundamentally deep, deep, deep in our hearts, respect these people as individuals. Mm -hmm. And we desire, we know that our best interests of this organization are served when we enable the full potential of these people because they're people, not because they're employees, because they're, they, they, you know, mm -hmm. we pay them to do this, but because they're people. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they have intrinsically enormous potential and capability to contribute to our success. Therefore, so, mm. the way we treat them will mm. be different. So so when you say respect for people, you're you're could I, is it too much of a leap to say respect for human life? Well, it's it's not a leap at all. What the way we don't even say respect for people, the way we say it is respect for every individual. Because it's too easy. We have observed over the years, that it's too easy to say, I have respect for human life, or I have respect for people, or I have respect for humanity, until they meet the guy who's a <laughs> SOB. And then they say, well, it's everybody but that guy. You know? <laughs> well, or, or well I certainly understand that. Yeah, there's another guy over here. This person here, I don't have respect for them because of the way they act. But I, but I do generally for people, you know. So we say no, it's not like that at all. It has to be respect for every single person because it's universal. Because even, it's yeah. universal. Even the mm -hmm. even the non-performer, the way that we deal with their non-performance can be done in a respectful way, and ought to be done in a respectful way. So that's the idea that that we we elevate. We don't replace the tools with principles. We we start with the principle and we say, so what are the guiding? And if you go to our model, you'll see that we have 10 guiding principles that are not, you're going to read them and you'll go to, you're going to say, duh. Name, name three or four things. or 10 of them. Just yeah. name them so okay. we can. Okay. So we have at, at the bottom of the model, we have two principles that in what we call cultural enablers, respect for every individual and lead with humility. Okay. So we say those two core principles have to be part of the culture of an organization to enable everything else to happen. Okay. Then we talk about five principles that are really uh, that enable continuous improvement in an organization. So that's seek perfection, focus on process, flow, assure quality at the source. So these are these are universal, timeless and inarguable principles mm -hmm. that govern 
So if their principles, Stephen Covey said to us, if their principles, um, they govern the consequences of our actions. So we can't stop with values because values are not universal. Values are variable. They're very personable. They're very arguable. In fact, most wars are fought over variations mm-hmm. in interpretations of values. So we say you got to get to the actual principle that governs the consequences, like gravity governs the consequence of letting go of an object. It's always going to fall down. So mm-hmm. we can understand that, and that helpful to us, but better if we understand it, we can manage it. We can use gravity to create power and to mm-hmm. create great results. The same thing is true when we understand the principles that govern business success. Then we can use those principles to drive behavior which creates excellence. Very I good. Behaviors. We're going to slide into a break for a moment, but before we do, would you name the other three, the remaining three? I will. Okay, so there are principles that relate to uh, aligning the enterprise, and those principles are uh, assuring constancy of purpose and thinking systemically. And then the principle, the single principle at the top of our pyramid that has to do with um, results is create value for customers. Mm -hmm. So these concepts Mm -hmm. are inarguable. Mm-hmm. And they're, they apply in every industry mm-hmm. at all times. They always have been true. They're true now, and they'll be true in a hundred years. Yeah, thousand- wow, fantastic, fantastic. Um, so please come back. We're at the Visual Workplace with Bob Miller. We're talking about the Shingo Prize and the guiding these these principles that really are formulating uh, this great uh, this great framework of thinking. We'll be back in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, Visual Edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello and welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth at the Visual Workplace and I'm joined by the great Bob Miller from the Shingo Prize. And uh, I wanted to say a few things. W- one is that uh, Bob mentioned a moment ago that uh, in his discussion of principles that Stephen Covey was a coach to the Shingo Prize in thinking through these issues. This is the great and late, I'm sorry to say, Stephen Covey who uh, talked to us about the seven habits of personal effectiveness. All these great books were founded on these same principles, but they're on on the same concept of principles. But they are now turned to the organization and say, what is an effective organization? What are the guidelines? You know, he told us to seek first to understand and then be understood and things like that. So that's an example of uh, a principle period, whatever your value system is. That's the principle. So do you want to pick it up from there, or shall I ask you? An- no, that's okay. I can do that. So we we really were blessed to have a very strong and a close affiliation with Dr. Covey. And he, he dedicated his entire life, and probably two-thirds of the people or more in this who are listening today have, uh, have been impacted in a significant way from Dr. Covey's work. Uh, he, he acknowledged with us that, his primary contribution was building principle-centered individuals. And, you know, for those of you who are pro- have worked in corporations or organizations, you, what often happens is that his influence is most felt by the senior management team of the organizations. They're the ones that can afford to go to his workshops, and, you know, and they're the ones who have, you know, study groups and things about the principles. But the biggest challenge that he recognizes that he wasn't able to successfully accomplish the way he wanted to was to build principle-centered organizations. When he met us, we were trying to build principle-centered organizations from the bottom up, but he was trying to build them from the top down. And so when we put our heads together, it was like uh, a match made in heaven. Mm. So he helped us to see, understand more deeply the power of principles to help predict the outcomes or the behaviors in people mm. and to help us to understand ideal behaviors. Mm. So then the question becomes, if I understand, if I know what these guiding principles are and I want them to become the basis of my culture, not just the tools, how do I, how do I take these principles from a personal level and broaden them and deepen them into the entire organization? Every person, every leader, every manager, every associate. And that becomes a a daunting task. So we said, so what are the things that we, that drive people's behaviors? Well, of course, values drive people's behaviors, but beyond that, it's the systems of the company, because we all went through this process, this years of thinking about process and, you know, and how to, how to create better processes to get better results. So what we realize that if we design our systems 
the systems of the organization, these are our management systems, our work systems, our business systems, our improvement systems. If we can align those systems to drive behaviors that are consistent with the principles, then we'll start to create experiences for people where they start to see the principle in action. And they start to say, whoa, that's what it means. Look at the result I'm getting. So we we get results. We get ideal principle-based behavior by designing systems to drive people to act in a certain way. Give us an example, or two, or ten. <laughs> so, for example, if you uh, if you wanted to, if you if the principle was respect for every individual, and uh, you wanted to to drive behavior that was that demonstrated respect, you you might look at your system for employee involvement for asking for people's ideas. How do we get people to engage in bringing forward their ideas? Well, often we create, you know, idea boxes or we'll create a process where people give their ideas to their supervisor, supervisor writes them down, puts them in a pile and once a week or once a month or every other month they'll have a meeting with a group of other senior managers and they'll sort through them and got da 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 and the process goes on and on and on eventually maybe the person hears something and tells and is informed what somebody else decided about their ideas hardly respectful so we would say to to managers we'd say to leaders is your system for engaging people demonstrating respect and the leaders it wouldn't take very long to look at it and say oops Oh, great. So it's we could do not this, respectful. We could do the same thing with the HR. Is our HR approach demonstrating respect or is the way, uh, is the way that we, uh, rotate employees or, or get yeah. them to cross-functionally support the production process respectful? Does it, does it respect people? Now here's another one for you, Gwen, and that you're gonna love, and here's how I'll, I'll bring this one in. Is, is the way we make visible to our employees mm -hmm. the information that they need to make decisions respectful? Mm -hmm. And that's a visuality question. Do we make the information visible where they are at the workplace so that they can see it? Or do, do we, we hide it? Or Do, do we, we hide, hide it? it? Do mm -hmm. we present it in a way that they can understand what it means and mm -hmm. makes it actionable to mm -hmm. them? Do they have signals that are visual and clear? Mm -hmm. When we don't do that and then we ask them to get better, we're disrespecting them. Very good. So we could also say, do the metrics, are the metrics actually related to the associates or are they so abstract and are they so infrequent that people can't um, uh, identify new behaviors because they simply don't see their own behavior in the metric yeah you could, in, mm, it was okay. yes it's a perfect example you can you can there are thousands and thousands of applications mm. what we say is that the emerging role of leaders in order to make this happen is to be asking constantly those questions about the organization. Is our communication system respectful to the, uh, every employee that we have? But it does, also is, uh, does it pursue perfection? What were some of the other things? Does yeah, it yeah. show flow? Does it uh, show quality at the source? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So not every principle has, applies in every situation, but in almost every situation you can elevate and say, so... 
if if um, people are waiting for decisions to get made, you can say, well, you know, do we? To what degree is the principle of flow being applied in our decision making mm-hmm, process? Because mm-hmm. it's you know? stuck. So, so Bob, stuck. I'm interrupting you because I'm. I, I'm I, could you please make the hook then with tools? So then if our answer is no, we don't have flow in our HR process or in our production process, is that where the tools come in and say, through this tool, I will be able to clear out the clutter, streamline the process, and create greater flow so I can support this uh, higher-level principle? I can create a system that supports the higher-level principle. Is that the way the logic goes in the new prize? Yeah, so the way we say it is is um, you start at the top. If you go to our website, download the model, you're going to see a diamond. At the top of the diamond, we have the guiding principles. And then we have an arrow that points down to the right side of the diamond, which says the systems. So the systems align with the principles. So you align the, the, you align the principles into the systems, which drive ideal principle-based behavior. But then, in order to make the systems work, you have to seed them with great tools. So the tools mm-hmm. the tools enable the systems to drive ideal principle-based behaviors. And so that's the connection. It goes from principle to system, and then the systems are enabled by the application of great tools to make the systems work. This is so important for everyone. And I'm going to I try to say it in my own words to bring even more attention upon this. If we have tools that do not have a context, and the context is first a system that holds the tools, that gives it its reason for being, and then the principles to guide the tools, then we just have tools and we're just patching them on to the, to the company and they're not having what you called at the beginning of the show a sustainable impact. They're just kind of getting rid of the symptom and then you drag them off the next time the symptom rears its ugly head. I think that's what you're saying. I mean, I'm a shingle prize examiner. True, not in the new model because I've been spending my time another way. So this is just a, a really, really important uh, distinction between the 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 previous shingle model and this one. This really is long, long, long term. It really is. What we're trying to what we what we have observed and experienced and believe deeply is that when people understand the principles, they become more accountable. They're better empowered to make decisions. It's like it's like the it's like the Stephen Covey. You give him a fish, teach him a tool. It's like a you know mm-hmm. a fishing like a fish, or you teach him to how to fish. Mm-hmm. That's you giving him the principle. Mm-hmm. The principle becomes the powerful idea around which people can innovate. Mm-hmm. They can create. They can build something entirely different than what mm-hmm. the person taught them. The tool really understood. And you know what else they can do? They can pass it on as a legacy to the people who come after because it's a whole system it's a whole framework of thinking it's a paradigm but we're trying to we're trying real quick we're trying to build cultures you can't build a culture on a tool you can't build a culture on a personality you can't build a culture on a program because they all change everything changes the only thing that's sustainable over the long term are principles because principles are timeless concepts and uh, things that govern outcomes. Mm -hmm. So 
What we want organizations to do is to build the culture of their organization around the principle because it will outlive everything else that will change over the life of an organization. And that is the nature of the assessment. When you apply, when the site examiners come out there looking for this evidence. When we come back, I want to ask you to say a few words about visuality, but then also tell us about this new scope research that you're doing that everybody who's listening can participate in and benefit from. So we'll pick that up, okay, Bob, when we come back. Thank you. Thank you. Please come back for the last part of the show. It's uh, going to be very interesting. Thank you. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and we're back. And, you know, it's funny. I heard the announcer say, please call in or send us an email. But the fact of the matter is this discussion and so many of our discussions, but this discussion is so interesting just to follow that it takes a while for the questions to come up. It's like, wow. The next day or the next week, you say, do you know what the implications of what that guy was saying last week, what it means? I got a question. So I don't, uh, I just want you to know, Bob, I know people are out there. They're going to be full of questions in a day or two, but right now they're listening intently because the Shingo Prize is so highly respected and so highly reputed, so well-formed that I'm sure that people want to know what is in it for them? Why should they be interested in the prize? 
it's not a marketing device. It really is a, it really is a way of life. It's a revolution in thinking and an application. It changes everything. Yeah. We, we often talk about, when, when we talk about principles, sometimes people kind of roll their eyes and go, oh my heavens, here comes a bunch of soft stuff. Um, but it does have direct impact on business results. Remember, principles are the things that govern the consequences. So if you want to increase the cash flow, you got to increase the product flow or the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the financial flow of the money. You got to mm-hmm. follow the money. So mm-hmm. you got to serve the customer. You got to serve the customer. So mm-hmm. if you want to improve if you want to reduce customer complaints, you got to ensure quality at the source. Mm-hmm. It's a principle. So, mm-hmm. so it's the principles are directly, directly connected with the consequences that your company is getting. So look at your results. And if it's not exactly what you want, say, what principle is it that we're not paying attention to mm-hmm. that's affecting the results that we're getting. What I like so much about that, everyone, and of course Bob already knows this, is that then you have a way to diagnose the the causes or the um, the outcomes that you're getting against how to change those causes. I mean, you can use the Shingo Prize diagnostically, but you can also use it to achieve higher levels. Uh, I would, you know, what I love. Uh, this is this used to happen when I was a, a, an examiner. People would have study groups. They would just meet for lunch once a week, and they would simply talk. Somebody would be the leader of the discussion. They would be responsible for one of the segments, one of the clauses, one of the principles, and you would discuss it. Now, what would happen if you had that happening on your senior level? But what would happen if it happened a hundred times a week in small groups in some of these massive companies of a thousand, eight hundred, two thousand people, where people begin to have this discussion? And they begin to internalize or relate to, associate with, identify with what these principles would mean if they were, if they were in place. Yeah. What we say is that the first response, first and primary responsibility of leaders is to drive, is to, is for the culture. They focus on principles. So when I work with a leadership team and organization, that's exactly what we do, Gwen. We sit down with them and we say, so here's a principle. What does it mean to you personally? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you personally? What does it mean to our team? Mm-hmm. Where do we think we are as an organization relative mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. principle? Mm-hmm. How can we know where mm-hmm. we really are as mm-hmm. opposed to where we perceive that we are? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from doing that um, many, many, many times over many years, we came to realize that we needed a way to help organizations evaluate where they stood relative to this standard, which is the shingle model, the shingle price. Oh, boy. So now what Bob is going to do is tell you about something new. It's called SCOPE. Am I right? It is. It's called SCOPE, and it's fantastic. Listen to this. So it stands for the Shingle Cultural Online Performance Evaluation. So what people said to us is, we don't really want a challenge for the price, but we love that you have the highest standard of excellence in the world, and we want to know where we are relative to that standard. So could you just come out and spend a couple of days and tell us that without having to make an application? So what we – and the, the demand for that was so great that what we decided to do is we decided to create an online system that provides an opportunity for leaders – managers and associates as three separate groups 
to be able to answer some questions about these principles. So we took, we took four ideal behaviors for each of these 10 principles. That's 40 basically scenarios of ideal. So, 40, four zero. Yeah, so there's four zero, 40 scenarios. So four plus four ideal behaviors for each of the 10 guiding principles. And we say, okay, so leader or manager or associate, tell me, based on what you observe the behaviors in your organization to be, how close are we to this ideal, mm-hmm. to this standard? Mm-hmm. You know, and we give them a scale to choose from. And then we say, which direction are we moving? Are we moving closer to it? Are we moving further away from it? Mm-hmm. And then based on research, we know that there are, there are some, uh, so we talk, researchers talk about frequency, intensity, and duration. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. scope. And so scope, we, right. And scope, yeah. So what we do is we say, okay, so now we know you've said where you are and which direction you're moving. Then we say, so pick two of these four conditions and say, which one of these would make the most difference if you did more of it? So what it does is it provides an, a, a, a really great baseline from which leaders and companies, can, organizations can say, here's what our leaders think where we are, here's what our managers think, and here's what our associates think. And here's the gaps or the deltas between our various perceptions. And we, tr- we ask the questions to make them behavioral, not attitudinal. So based on what you actually observe things happening mm-hmm. relative to this ideal. So what we, what we want it to be able to do is provide a, a baseline to say, okay, here's where we are. Here's mm-hmm. the standard. Mm-hmm. Here's the areas mm-hmm. that we need to improve. Mm-hmm. And we'll do, and so this will become the first step in our annual planning process. Now yes. we're going to focus mm-hmm. next year on Improve, and then we'll do it again next year, and then and again next year, and again next now, year. Now, this is really important, and please write down shingleprize.org. You have to wait until October 1st or 2nd or 5th, whatever, for scope to be available to you. It's, it's in the testing phase right now, and you can go online and do an assessment, and everyone in your organization, the three groupings that Bob just named, leaders, managers, and associates, can go online, and I think you're also going to have a, a a way for people to get the so what and that adds up to strength in this area your number you can roll it all up into data into an interpretation i think is the direction you're going yeah and what's the relationship between our behaviors and mm. the results that we're getting as an organization so the, the shingle prize is enormously important i know we haven't spent any time on visuality but i have to say i think the shingle prize is so extraordinarily important that I easily make the sacrifice because I want you guys to know uh, that the Shingo Prize is out there as a resource and it is there to support your excellence, whatever your organization is and whatever your current level is, your current state. You are, you know, this whole idea of continuous improvement means you start somewhere and you move forward and you move forward and you just grit your teeth and you get better. Gwen, I want to say that there's been there is no organization that we go in to do a shingo assessment um, that doesn't demonstrate visuality in virtually every aspect of their business. I know it that. is making <laughs> things simple and visual is so critical, and it's supported by every one of these principles. Well, I dream of the day that it actually is 
in the uh, in the model itself, and it would read something like embedded behaviors through visuality or a system. A subset will be what is your visual system uh, plant-wide and that the assessment criteria will reflect that. But, you know, I've got another 20 or 30 years in my working life, <laughs> and it's something to look forward to. Bob, I want to thank you so much for your generous discussion and for the excitement that you represent and you communicate, you exude about this important prize. I mean, this is heady stuff. This is the intellectual core of uh, manufacturing and workplace improvement across the world. Please, everyone, please go to shingoprize.org and avail yourself of this incredible resource. And please join me in thanks for, for Bob and his, and his crew, his great work, and for this wonderful contribution. Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you all so much. And Gwendolyn, thank you for the great work you do and your support for the Shingle Prize. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, all of us. Thank you. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. We're out of time and we're signing off and I'll be back again. And I hope you join us at the Visual Workplace. Bye-bye. We appreciate your joining us this week for the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.